Hey, real quick, guys, you already know I don't run any ads on this because I want to keep it like a really awesome listening experience for you. But I do have an ask. I'd love it if you could just help me spread the word so we can help more entrepreneurs, creatives and high performers just make more money with less stress and more fulfillment. So the best way that you can help me do that is by reading, reviewing and sharing this podcast. Like the single thing I ask of you is please just take 10 seconds to drop a review. Seriously, it would, it would mean the world to me. And more importantly, it may just help change somebody's life. So thank you. And let's get to the show. So on my journey, there has been one philosophy that has probably had the biggest impact on my mindset, on my results, on just my general stability in life, we'll say. And that is stoicism. Now, I've always loved philosophy, not just stoicism, but, you know, I, I one of my degrees is in religion and for a time, I thought I was going to go and be a theologian. I thought I was going to go teach religion at a seminary. That was one of the things that I wanted when I was young. And uh, what's interesting about that is that I wasn't necessarily religious. I worked as a youth pastor for a while, for about a year, and I worked at a Bible camp. And so you might look at that and be like, oh, Anthony was probably pretty religious. But um, I really wasn't. What drew me to religion was the history, was the philosophies, was the the lessons more so than like, is there is there a old man in the sky with a beard or anything like that? That part wasn't really interesting to me. The part that was interesting was like, what can I do with this information right now to live a good life? What's that mean? And so Christianity played a really big role in that stoicism, which is something that I didn't really discover until maybe I was like 23 or 24, but it didn't really take root in my soul until like much many, many, many years later when, you know, I'd hit that rock bottom moment. Uh, at 28. And so that was when I started going on a search in, in, um, in earnest to see if I could find um, a framework that would help me navigate my own shit, for lack of a better word. And I stumbled into Stoicism. I stumbled into Zen for a while. I stumbled into Buddhism. Like, and I think there's so many awesome, wicked lessons in all of these different um, uh, modalities. And actually, what's interesting is that there's so much overlap and so much shared. There's more in common between these uh, these philosophies and there is differences in a lot of, uh, in my experience at least. But for whatever reason, Stoicism has always, I just keep coming back to it as like the framework that has resonated the most with my, with my way of seeing the world and helps me navigate this, this quest of like maximizing my, my return on life. And so I wanted to share with you seven Stoic uh, lessons that have helped me through some really, really difficult times, but also have helped me through some really good times too. Like these are just seven concepts that I think about a lot and, and I think they could bring you some value as well. So the first one is Amor Fati, which is love of fate. Here's a quote from one of the great Stoic philosophers. It is a road, oh, I'm sorry. It is a rough road that leads to the heights of greatness. And so to that, I just remind myself that whether a thing is an opportunity or an obstacle, is simply a matter of perspective. They are one and the same. And so if you see difficulty, you will, you will, you'll find difficulty. If you see opportunity, you will find opportunity and just recognize that whatever you're trying to accomplish in life, it's going to be difficult. And even more so if you're trying to do something great, uh, that is the, the price of greatness. It is the sacrifice is, is, is the sacrifices. It's the struggles. It's it's the shedding of your limitations to become more than what you currently are. And I think that's a, 
um, a motivating idea that gets me out of bed every morning. How can I shed the skin of who I was yesterday to step into my best self today? And what does that look like? Recognizing that the, the competition is only with yourself and who you were. And as long as you're moving forward, well, nothing else really matters. Number two, this 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 is probably the most famous of all Stoic um, phrases. It's memento mori, or remember death. Here's another fantastic little quote from a Stoic philosopher. I think this is Marcus Aurelius, actually. When you arise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love. Just take a second and reflect on on a simple fact, which is that you're listening to this right now, which means you're alive. And it didn't have to be that way. There's a lot of people that didn't wake up this morning. A lot of people who thought they were going to wake up this morning did not. And that's not just, you know, oh, their time had come. They were old. They're getting towards the end of the road. It was young people. You know, there's a 16 year old out there for whatever reason, didn't wake up this morning. There's a 25 year old who was about to get married, who didn't wake up this morning. And yet you did, and you're here consuming this, listening right now, and that is just, it's a remarkable thing if you really stop to to reflect on that. And yet we take it, we often take this for granted, and we, we often take it for granted right up until the moment it's too late. And if we're lucky, maybe not lucky, but most often we're reminded of the fact that life is fragile when we lose a loved one. And that can be a great wake-up call. Granted, it's not easy and nobody ever wants that, but it's sometimes through those depths where you gain the most clarity about your place and fragility in, in life and how it is so fleeting. And so much gratitude can be found when you just stop and say, I'm alive. <laughs> and that's awesome. So just take a moment and just remember that. You're alive right now. And that's awesome. Number three is to manage your expectations. I think this one is from Seneca. He said, we suffer more in imagination than in reality. This has been such a powerful concept in my life. When I realize that the entirety of man's discontent exists in the gap between his expectations and his reality, my life started to change. Because what I realized was I can't do anything to change reality itself. It is what it is. But what I can change, what I have complete control over are my expectations. And so I can reduce my expectations and thus close the gap between expectation and reality and thus eliminate or at least reduce my suffering in life. I find that so damn empowering. Whenever I'm suffering, whenever I like suffering, not like necessarily physically, but like emotionally, mentally, anxiety, whatever, I remind myself you are feeling this way right now because you have the ex- you have an unmet expectation. What can you do right now to remove that expectations and live in alignment with what reality is giving you in this instant? And when I can do that, and I don't always succeed, but when I can do that, things get instantly better. All right, number four, this ties in, it is to retain control always. This is the more we value things outside our control, the less control we have. And so the way I always reframe this is if you can't control it, then at minimum, don't let it control you. And so you can't control reality, but you can control your expectations. So control that, forget reality, control what you can control. 
And I find just a lot of power in that. Um, it puts the control of my destiny back into my hands and I'm no longer uh, fate's plaything. And for whatever reason, that whether that's true or false, it's an empowering belief that serves me and so I hold on to it. Number five is to understand true wealth. He is richest who is content with the least. I've struggled with this and I think we all do, which is you're never going to get off the hedonic treadmill ever. None of us can. We're humans. It's just how we operate. Unfortunately, we acclimate to the good times. We acclimate to the bad times, whatever his life gives us. But when things are good, we want them to be better. We could always be better, always be better. We're always trying to accelerate and go faster, 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 but we never get off that treadmill. But what we can do is we can just slow it down. And you do that by, by, you know, stop chasing more and just cherish what you already have. And this is why I'm such a fan of the idea of doing less, but doing it better. I think that will slow down the hedonic treadmill. The, the richest man is the man who is content with the least. I, I love that concept. All right, number six, happiness is a choice. This is maybe the most controversial concept, but um, it goes like this. Very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all in yourself and your way of thinking. I always think of this idea that happiness is not the prize. It's the process. And it's one that any of us at any moment can choose to employ. It's simply a choice. And I know a lot of people will disagree with that. They'll say, no, there's a lot of things in life that you can't control when it comes to being happy or not happy. And like, uh, tell that to the mother who's grieving the loss of her child. I get it. I'm not saying it's easy, but happiness is a biological process that results from certain chemical reactions. And there's things that we know we can do to manipulate those reactions. And so when you learn how to do that within your own body, then happiness really does become a choice. Now, whether or not you want to employ that, or maybe it is better in that moment to feel the sadness because then it will only help to contrast the happiness and make it more, more meaningful in the future. There's, I'm not saying that you need to eliminate sadness or always be happy. I'm not saying that, but just recognize that happiness is a choice and that if you don't want to feel sad, you don't have to. You could choose to be happy. You could. I'm not saying it's easy. Not even saying you want to, but you could. And I think just accepting that as something that's within your control is very, very empowering. And is with everything in life to amplify your impact, you need to take control and accountability for as many things in your reality as possible. I think that is the key to living and in alignment with your greatness. At least it has been for me. And finally, number seven, the truly free man, the truly free individual is free only to the extent of his own self-mastery. Um, I think there's a second part to this quote, which is that those who cannot govern themselves are, govern, are condemned to find masters to govern over them. And I, I put this in a different way, which is simply that if you can't discipline yourself, then the world will have to do it for you. Therefore, discipline equals freedom. And that is... The, the concept upon which a lot of my journey really hinged is uh, learning how to hold myself accountable, how to discipline myself so that the world didn't have to continually do it for me. Um, 
That is a very hard concept. That's a very hard lesson to learn. It's one that we have to continue to learn every single day. There's a, I did a video on this um, last year called Learning This About Discipline Changed My Life. And I share a six-step framework for developing discipline. If that's something that you struggle with, I highly recommend you go to youtube.com backslash Anthony Vecino and find that video. Give it a watch. I think it could, I think it could help you a lot if that's something that you're, you're struggling with. So those are seven lessons from Stoicism that have had a massive impact on my life. And I hope, I hope they bring you a little bit of value. So let me know which one of these was the most helpful, most valuable, or least valuable. Which one did you disagree with the most? Which one do you realize you need to implement in your life the most? I want to hear from you guys. Leave me a comment, shoot me an email, uh, leave a review. Uh, we're so close to a hundred reviews of this podcast on Spotify. So if you're, if you're, uh, over there right now, if that's what you're listening on, just do me a favor, pull up in the app, click the button. Um, I don't know which button, but just take a second to figure it out. Push five stars or four stars or whatever you want to push. Um, it would truly mean the world to me. So I appreciate you guys, as always, for being here. We'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay hyper-focused, my friends. What's going on, everybody? I just want to let you know real quick that the Hyper-Focus Masterclass is officially live. We put a ton of time and energy into this project, and based on all the positive feedback so far that we've received from students, it's it's, it's pretty awesome. Seriously, we're, we're really psyched on how it all turned out. If you're interested in learning all the habits, rituals, routines, systems, processes, frameworks, and more that you know help me turn my ADHD into a superpower to get out of massive debt and build a $70 million real estate portfolio over the past 10 years, then you're definitely going to want to head over to beyondtheapex.com backslash hyperfocus and check it out. All right, let's get to the show.